want to make you aware as you're turning to the book of Revelation this morning, Revelation chapter 3, today was supposed to be our uh, first responders Sunday, and we had to postpone that. We did not cancel that, we postponed it, okay, and so talked to Sheriff McDuffie, and uh, we had a, a good um, a good long talk and uh, thought it best to, uh, to postpone that until a future date, uh, but we certainly want to uh, want to do that and uh, want uh, them to know uh, that we are praying for them and uh, that uh, we support them uh, in every way. And so, um, Brother McDuffie, uh, Sheriff McDuffie sent out an email and uh, to all the um, first responders and uh, let them know that not only uh, was it uh, postponed uh, until um, a future date, but that we were um, uh, thinking about and praying for them uh, during this, you know, difficult, uh, uh, difficult time for for first responders. And so um, uh, we'll keep you up to date uh, on when we're going to be able to go ahead and um, have that um, rescheduled. And so really we'd like to reschedule it when we can actually have uh, uh, dinner on the grounds and have a big, uh, uh, big day. And so uh, hopefully uh, that won't be too far uh, into the future. Uh, so uh, be praying about that if you would, and uh, we will keep you, um, uh, keep you aware of uh, what's going on uh, with that. Revelation chapter number 3 this morning, Revelation chapter number 3. So now I know that uh, when they put the music for the song on the back, it's just for emotional support because there's no way you saw those words. Those words were like that big. I'm going, huh, what does that say back there? And they put them back there. If you don't know that, when they sing, they'll put the music back there. And, and um, even when we do hymns, they'll put the music back there for us. And, and, uh, but, man, those words were so tiny. I'm thinking to myself, boy, I hope she knows this song because she ain't reading that, I can promise you. Um, but uh, good job, Emma, and uh, appreciate that this morning. Revelation chapter number 3. We're talking about, really, the, the phrase we find here in, in verse number 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Strengthen the things which remain. What we need spiritually... Uh, in the church and in our homes and in our nation is to strengthen the things that remain. We know this. We know this because the Bible tells us this. Uh, and we know this practically that there's nothing new under the sun. If somebody comes up with something, I promise you, if you look far enough back in history, somebody else has come up with it. And uh, somebody else has uh, said it or somebody else has done it uh, before. And so there are things... Uh, that are uh, up for opinion in life. There are things that uh, uh, you could look at in a different way than, than, than I could look at. Uh, there are, for instance, I'll give you for instance, I'm not much of an art person, uh, but uh, when you get a, an abstract painting, yeah, I have no clue, okay? So I have... I, why in the world anybody would want something that looks. But I'm telling you something, when people look at it, 
One person looks at that picture, they see something. Somebody else looks at that picture, they see something else. I mean, literally, they, they, they interpret that picture in different ways. Some of that has to do with your personality. Some of that has to do with uh, your upbringing or where you are uh, uh, in, your, in your life. And, and boy, what you're going through. And sometimes you see something and it's kind of like, like a sermon. Now, there are factual parts of sermon, but it amazes me. I mean, it absolutely blows my mind when I preach a sermon and I have an intent when I preach a sermon. I, obviously, I have a, a goal to reach when I preach a sermon. And after I'm done preaching the sermon, and inevitably, I'll have somebody come up and tell me and they'll say, listen, I, I really appreciate that sermon. Boy, you, the Lord really spoke to my heart about, about uh, you know, whatever, a subject, about joy. I'm thinking to myself, I didn't even mention joy. The subject wasn't about joy. The verses had nothing to do with joy. How in the no, I don't say this. But how in the world do you get did you get joy out of that sermon? Now, for the Christian, we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, right? And the Holy Spirit of God uh, works on us and works in us uh, even before we come to uh, become to uh, to the service. One preacher said this. I love this statement. He said if if you get nothing out of a sermon, it's probably because you put nothing into it. That's a pretty good statement. Oh, now I'm supposed to write sermons? No. I'm talking about you ought to be prayed up before you ever come to church. You ought to be praying, Lord, speak to my heart. I'm telling you, I've been to services. Stop blaming the preacher. I've been to services where the preacher, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, is he ever going to open the Scripture? Is he ever going to read a Bible verse? Is he, I mean, he's off track here and he's off track there. And, but let me tell you something. If you're prayed up, the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart no matter what the preacher says. Amen. So we've got to understand that some things are open for interpretation and some things are not. There are some things that are concrete. There are some things that are solid. There are some things that are not open for discussion. And yet, we get this idea that, well, that's just an old-fashioned doctrine. Listen to me. There's no such thing as an old-fashioned doctrine. It's either doctrine or it's not. It's either in the Word of God or it's not. And if it was four or 30 years ago, it's still for today. If it's in the Bible, if it's in the Word of God. Jesus Christ, listen to me. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, Jesus said this, but by me. Amen. There's, listen, there's only one of two things. That's either a true statement or it's a false statement. There's no in-between. There's no, this is open for discussion. We're going to talk about this and really what he means is, and, and allegorically speaking and para, parabolically and all this stuff. No, no, no. Jesus said he's the way either Jesus is telling the truth or Jesus is lying. And I'm here to tell you, if Jesus is lying, just shut the book. Go home and watch TV. If Jesus is, if Jesus is a liar, we have no hope. If Jesus is a liar, what are we doing? We know, we know, we, of course we understand. I hope everybody in here believes that Jesus obviously is not a liar. Amen. 
So when Jesus makes this statement, he's not just making this statement for, for a certain group of people. He's not just making this statement for uh, the Jews. He's not just making this statement for the people in Jerusalem. He's not just making this statement for the people in Bible times. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God put down in words that Jesus is the only way. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's concrete. That's not open for discussion. So let me tell you something. The things that are concrete, we need to strengthen. We need to strengthen the things that remain. There should be no doubt what a church believes. Do you agree with that? It should be wishy-washy. It shouldn't be, oh, well, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, you ever read doctrinal statements? I do sometimes for fun. I'll read doctrinal statements of churches or organizations, and I'm thinking to myself, after reading that doctrinal statement, I have absolutely no idea what you believe. Everything was so general. And the statements that they made were just so general. So what are they trying to do? Well, obviously they're trying to draw a bigger crowd and they're trying to draw a diversity of people. But I want you to understand something. There are some things that are concrete and everybody ought to know that we believe these things. We believe that the Bible is God's inerrant infallible, preserved Word of God. We believe that here at our church. We're not ashamed to believe that here at our church. We're not ashamed to stand up and say that we believe that here in our church. Why? Because it's concrete. And the things that are concrete, we need to strengthen. I tell you, we're, we're growing weaker and weaker and not stronger and stronger. And you can blame it on the world. You can blame it on society. You could blame it on the liberals. I don't care who you blame it on. But it, unless you're blaming it on yourself and Christians, then you're putting the blame in the wrong place. At some point, we stop standing for the things that we believe in. At some point, we stop standing up and saying, and I don't know if it's because we now have more opposition. I believe that. I believe we have more opposition than ever before. I believe now we have more people that are standing up and saying, no, that's not so. And Christians are going, whoa. And they're backing off. And they're saying, wait a minute, maybe this isn't so. Maybe it is. Let me tell you what's rearing its head again. It's nothing new. It's an old, it's an old doctrine. But it's called universalism. And it's sneaking into mainstream churches. What is universalism? Universalism is... Don't worry about it. Everybody's going to heaven. We are all God's children. Okay? And so, no matter what you've done, no matter where you go, no matter what's said, no matter... Listen, Jesus didn't even need to die on the cross because we're all going to heaven. So listen, that is contrary to the Bible. I don't care how many people believe it. I don't care how many churches believe it. And I don't care how many important theologians believe it. The bottom line is, let God be true and every man a liar. So what God says, we need to strengthen and we don't need to be ashamed. Do you remember what Paul said? Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed. You know what it means? You know what it means? It means I'm going to stand up for it. You know, you ever, you ever been to a, you ever been to a, a, a kid's sporting event? <clears throat> Forget watching the kids. Watch the bleachers. 
It's, it's way more entertaining than watching the kids. I mean, you got mamas and even daddies out in the stands screaming and hollering and hooting and cheering, and their kid is the worst baseball player out there. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I mean, they, they, couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't hit the, the side of a barn, let alone a baseball, and they're out there cheering. They're not ashamed, are they? That's my, hey, that's my kid right there. And everybody else is going, well, huh? wow, bless his heart. You know, that's what we like to say in the South, bless her heart. <clears throat> that's the nice way to say, man, they're really bad. But we don't care, do we? You, we whip out. Let me tell you, talk, go ahead and talk to grandparents. Talk to grandparents that don't like to talk and start talking about their grandkids. They take out their billfold. There's all the pictures. Let me tell you about this picture right here. And you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, that is the ugliest kid I've ever seen. Now, you don't, hopefully you don't say that. But you're thinking that and they're saying, man, man I'll tell you, she could be in a beauty contest. And boy, he can be. And, and then they just, why? Because they're beaming. They're proud. They're not ashamed. Why? Because they love their grandchildren. They love their children and they're proud of them. That's what God, that's what Paul said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to stand up and shout it from the housetops. I'm going to stand up and let everybody know. Why? Because it is a power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. Paul said, listen, here's the power. Herein lies the power, and I refuse to be ashamed of it. I don't care what people say. Listen to me. Stop caring about what everybody says. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of prayer. Don't be ashamed of being a witness. Don't be ashamed of being a testimony. Don't be ashamed of those things. Those things need to be strengthened within a church. They need to be strengthened within our homes. They need to be strengthened within our society. Strengthen the things that remain. So we've talked about, uh, we, we've been talking about this here for a couple weeks now. So Jesus is speaking to the church at Sardis in chapter number 3. And unto the Verse number one, under the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest in our dead. Let me tell you what that means. You know what it means? It means you can't fool me. You have a name that liveth, and everybody thinks, oh, you've got a name that everybody thinks you're a Christian. And he said, listen, you, you, you can claim all you want to claim, but... Man look on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. And God sees who you are, who you really are. And you're lacking, he says. Be watchful, verse number 2. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, and I have not found thy works perfect before God. Let me tell you what God told the church at Sardis. you got some work to do. you got some work to do. Let me tell you what God would tell the church today. We got some work to do. Yeah, listen to me. We're not perfect. And if you think you're perfect, just ask the person sitting next to you, and, and they'll let you know you're not perfect. And if they won't tell you the truth, go ask your children, because they'll tell you that you're not perfect. Now, positionally, if you're in Christ, you're perfect. Your sins are forgiven. His righteousness has been imputed to your account. And now when God sees you, He sees perfection because He doesn't see you. He sees Christ in you. Okay? So notice that difference. Understand, positionally, we are perfect. Practically, we struggle. 
practically we have a hard time. Practically we have a hard time with our mouth. Practically we have a hard time with our actions. And it's a battle. The Bible says it's a battle. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a war that goes on between the flesh and the spirit and the spirit and the flesh and they are contrary to one another. They're contrary. They're at odds with one another. The spirit's telling you to go this way. The flesh is telling you to go this way. The flesh, listen, the flesh, all the flesh wants to do is envy and lust and be angry and be bitter and be unforgiving. That's what, the, that's what the flesh wants. That's what the flesh wants, what the devil wants. Let me tell you, the spirit wants. The spirit wants you to have joy and peace and long suffering and patience and all these things that the spirit wants. They are opposite, they are contrary. Let me tell you, you take a thing of water and you, you dump some oil into that water. You can shake it until you pass out. But when you stop shaking it, it's going to separate. Why? Because oil and water don't mix. And the Holy Spirit, listen, you could try to straddle the fence all you want to, but the Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. You've got to choose. You've got to pick. You've got to decide. What are you going to strengthen? You're going to strengthen the Spirit of God or you're going to strengthen the flesh in your life? Be not drunk with wine, Ephesians 5 says, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Strengthen the things that remain. We need to remember. We talked about remembering God's love, God's letter, God's longing. We need to receive. We need to receive what? We need to receive His blessing, His calling, His filling. We need these things in our life if we're going to strengthen the things that remain. So we need to remember, receive. And then I want to talk about this morning the third thing we need to do if we're going to strengthen the things that remain. We need to repent. We need to repent. Old Bible word that's never used. You, I mean, you barely ever... Let me tell you a couple words that aren't used hardly anymore in the, in, in the church. Repent. Let me give you another one. Can you guess what another one is? Hell. How, how, many, times did you, how many times did you hear that word used in the church anymore? You want to know why? Because we wish it would disappear. I do. I wish it would disappear. I wouldn't want my worst enemy to die and go there. So I, I wish it didn't exist, but it does. It does exist. And let me tell you about repentance. If, if we in, in our society, if we in our country, if we in our churches, and if we in our homes and, and as individuals don't learn to repent, we're going to find ourselves in the cycle of sin. The cycle of sin. What is the cycle of sin? The cycle of sin is when we do something wrong, and usually when we're caught, we go through this motion of forgiveness, asking God to forgive us, and then we get in that cycle, and then we sin again. Forgiveness, and we sin again. And forgiveness, and I call it the cycle of sin, and we just keep going around and around and around. Let me tell you something about a circle. It doesn't break. It just keeps going and going and going. When I do a wedding, when we get to the ring ceremony, I always talk about the ring. And I'm talking about how 
how we're to love one another unending as the circle of the ring indicates. Like God's love for us is unending. But, and those are good examples, but I'm going to tell you something. It's an unfortunate example when we caught in the cycle or the circle of sin. And if we don't repent, if we don't change, let me tell you what repentance is. Repentance is looking at sin like God looks at sin. Let me tell you what sin does to God. It disgusts Him. It disgusts Him. God hates sin. Now, He don't hate the sinner, but I promise you He hates sin. Sin is why Jesus went to the cross. Sin is why Jesus suffered, bled, and died. Sin is why a, a, a crown of thorns was placed upon His head. Sin is why he was whipped with a cat of nine tails, which is a whip that's dipped in resin and dipped in broken glass and is, and is whipped across the person's back. The Bible says when Jesus went to the cross, he was unrecognizable as a man. Let me tell you why. Sin. And if sin disgusts God, let me tell you something, church. Sin ought to disgust us. When Jesus came to the temple, remember when Jesus came to the temple? And he came to the temple and they were they were there and they were they were they were they were selling and they were buying, they were doing all these things they shouldn't have been doing. And and what did Jesus do? He got angry. Oh, wait a minute, anger sin. Oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Be angry and no. He was upset. And by the way, he wasn't upset because they were selling things in church. He was upset because they were extorting money from people that were journeying to come and didn't have a sacrifice and they were charging them exuberant amounts of money uh, to, to go into the temple with the, with the sacrifice. So what did Jesus do? He upended the tables. He was upset over sin. Now, we get upset when our football team doesn't win. We get upset when our, when our race car driver doesn't win. I mean, there's some things that we really, really get upset about. But when it comes to sin, we are closed mouth and we zip it up. Where's the outrage? Where's the, wait a minute, this, no, no, the Bible says this. We shouldn't be, no, no, this shouldn't be going on. Where's the outrage? Let me tell you something. When somebody does outrage and somebody is angry about it, we say that they're getting carried away. They're just radical. You just need to get with the times. Come on, preacher. It's really not that big of a deal. If God says it's a big deal, it's a big deal. And we need, I'm telling you, church, we need to repent. What do we need to repent of? We need to repent. We're going to talk about it this morning and tonight, so I'll give them to you. We need to repent of our unbelief. We need to repent of our unforgiveness. And we need to repent of our ugliness. If we're going to strengthen the things that remain, and we're going to be the Christian that God has called us to be in 2021, I'm telling you, it's, it's not getting easier, folks. It's getting more difficult. It's getting harder. And it's, it's going to get worse. Because the Bible says it's going to get worse. And so as it gets worse, God's people shouldn't be getting weaker. They should be getting stronger.
God is looking for the church to be His witness. God is looking for His church to be His testimony. God is looking for His church to be His ambassador in this world. And we're closing up shop quicker and quicker and quicker. And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about churches closing their doors and never opening them again. Talking about people walking away from the church, walking away from their Bible, walking away from prayer, walking away from being a Christian. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me. I don't believe, now you can argue the point, but I don't believe that somebody that claims to be a Christian can go, go from being a Christian to going to not even believing God and, and being an atheist. It's a that's a hard pill to swallow. Now, I know there are people like Lot, and I know there are people that, that, that backslide, but I'm here to tell you, not everybody that calls themselves Christian or Christian. Not everybody, not everybody that calls themselves saved or saved. Now, it's not my job and it's not yours either to determine who those people are. That's God's job. That's God's responsibility. But let me tell you what our responsibility is. Our responsibility is to strengthen the things which remain. We need to be strong in our belief. We need to be strong in where we stand. And we need to be unashamed. We need to repent. We need to repent of our unbelief. You remember back in the book of Mark? I love this passage. Mark chapter number 9. Jesus is performing uh, uh, miracles and, and, and doing signs and all these things in His earthly ministry. And in Mark uh, uh, chapter number 9, Jesus meets this man and Jesus says this in verse 23. Mark chapter 9 and verse 23. Jesus said to him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. What a, what a great statement. Je- now listen, not believe in whatever you feel like believing. Not believing in your opinion. Not believing in yourself. What is Jesus directing that belief towards? Himself. He's directing that belief towards God. And we need to repent of our unbelief. Listen to what the man says after Jesus makes that statement in verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. But watch this. Help thou mine unbelief. Lord, I believe. I'm standing here and telling you that that I believe and I believe in you and I believe in God and I believe that you can and I believe in miracles. But if there's a place that I don't believe, Lord, help me in that unbelief. You know, I promise you, I can go through the room right now. I can go through the room right now. And if you are honest, every one of us would say, yeah, there's areas I struggle. There's areas that I'm strong in. There's areas that I'm weak in. There's areas that I do well in and there's areas that I want to do better in. And Lord, I believe, but watch this, help thou mine unbelief. Lord, I'm doing good here, but boy, I need help here. Let me tell you what gets us in trouble. Arrogance and ego. God calls it pride. When pride gets in the way, let me tell you something, there's nothing but destruction and a fall coming. When we think more of ourselves than we ought to, Nothing good comes out of it. Relationships are broken because of pride. Churches are split because of pride. Relationships are broken 
day in and day out because somebody can't humble themselves, swallow their eagle, and swallow their pride. And boy, I'm telling you, it's, it, it hurts. It hurts more than it helps. I promise you that. Now, I'm not talking about, listen, I know there's a difference in having, I was talking about, you know, watching your kids and having pride in your children and, and having pride in America. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about thinking more highly of yourself than you should. Lord, help us. Help our unbelief. We need to repent of our unbelief. I, I'm, I'm out of time, so I'm just going to give you these real quick when it comes to uh, repenting of our unbelief. Let me tell you what unbelief does. Number one, unbelief displeases our God. It displeases our God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. You know what God wants out of His people? What is Hebrews 11 about? What is it? Faith. 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 By faith. By faith. By faith. By faith. You read it over and over again in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Or, or, or throughout Hebrews chapter 11. But verse 6 says, watch this, you ready? In the beginning, in the first part of the, uh, uh, the chapter, it says uh, that uh, faith is the substance things hoped for, evidence things not seen, right? And then this is what the Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not improbable. Impossible. Do you know what impossible means? I looked it up in the Greek. You know what it means? It means impossible. Can't be done is what it means. Don't bother even trying is what it means. And yet we spin our wheels and spin our wheels and spin our wheels, trying and trying and trying, trying never got anybody to heaven. Do you hear me? Trying does never make you a successful Christian. Let me tell you what we need to do. We need to believe. We need to have faith. And when we don't have faith, we're not pleasing God. And if we're not pleasing God, then what in the world are we doing? Let me tell you what we're doing. We're spinning our wheels. That's all we're doing. You ever been in the mud? Last, we ones, we ones, my wife has a business called we ones and a kid's consignment thing. And we, 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 we have it twice a year and she's, we were, we were having it and it rains inevitably every, every time it rains. And so they, they have tons of ladies come out to this thing. And so they're all parked out in the field. Well, they come running in and said, there's a, there's a lady stuck. She was in a Denali. I mean, it was a nice SUV. And she's out there in the, in the Denali and, and they said, she's stuck. She, she parked too far out. It was swampy and muddy and it's, she's stuck in the mud. So I, so I come out to see what I can do and I come out there and there she is. I mean, wide open. I'm talking about, you could hear it all the way across the field and her truck's going. I mean, she was up, up to the doors in mud. And I, and I took two steps and I thought, she's going to have to call somebody else because I have no idea how to help that woman. But the more she spun her wheels, the farther she got stuck in the mud. Doesn't that say something? Isn't that a mouthful? 
spiritually, listen to me, the more you spin your wheels, and the more you try without God, and the more you have a lack of faith, the farther you're going to sink into this world. We need faith. We need, you know what, they, you know what she needed? She needed somebody that had a wench that came around and hooked up to her car. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not hooking it. Anything to that sixty-five thousand dollar vehicle, you can forget it. But they yanked her out of that out of that mud. But let me tell you something: it took something else to get her out. You know what's going to get us out of our mud? Our faith. Our faith in God. It's going to take God to get us out. It's going to take God to accomplish it. And unbelief displeases our God. We don't want to displease God. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Number 2, not only displeases our God, but it deepens our fear. The lack of faith and the lack of unbelief deepens our fear. We become afraid. Let me tell you something. When you fear, let me tell you what fear does. Fear begets fear. You understand that? You know what that means? Fear begets fear. You fear here, all of a sudden you're going to fear here, and then you're going to fear some more, and that fear is like an infection and it begins to grow. Man, we, we become afraid of everything. Absolutely everything. My daughters, my daughters can't stand spiders. I mean, I don't care if it's a daddy long legs. I hate spiders. I, I'm not a big spider person, I promise you. And if you brought a tarantula around, I'd probably scream like a girl and run. I, I don't like spiders either. But man, when I was a kid, you got any long legs. You just crawl up your arm, you know, crawl. There's nothing wrong with They see a spider that big. They scream, holler, and run. If it's in the bathroom, forget if they have to go to the bathroom. They'll never go in the bathroom again until I find the spider and kill it. It's like, Seriously? No, I got it. No, you didn't, Dad. Show it. Show, show me. They want proof that it's dead. Squash, dead. Afraid. So, we're all probably afraid of something, heights or snakes or whatever we are. No, I'm not that kind of fear. Let me tell you something. Fear can cripple us if we're not careful. And it can cripple us from doing what God wants us to do. It can cripple, watch this, it can cripple us corporately. I'm talking about corporately as a church, it can cripple us. It can cripple us individually. Stop us from doing the things that we know we should do because we're afraid. And unbelief and the lack of faith deepens our fear. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Let me give you the next one. Not only does it pleases our God and deepens our fear, but then number three, it dulls our heart. It dulls our heart. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean when I say it dulls our heart? We begin to not care. Whatever. You ever get to that place in your life? You ever have a day like that? Just don't, uh, let's, don't talk to me. I just don't, I don't want to talk to you right now. You ever, you ever just have a really bad day, a really bad week, a really bad year? You just feel like shutting down. Let me tell you something. Fear, or the lack of faith and unbelief it will absolutely dull our hearts. We just won't care. We won't care if things are fixed. We won't care if we get things done. We don't care 
about, about anything. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. I'm giving you these verses so you could look them up later if you're taking notes. It dulls our heart. Well, I'm telling you, if we're not careful, unbelief will absolutely ruin our lives. It will destroy our churches. It, by the way, it's doing it. It's doing it. I want you to know something. I don't, and you obviously know this, because I have done my very best to try to navigate this whole COVID-19 thing. When it came out, and now, and this this second round of the whole thing, and I've tried tried to be very safe, I've tried to be very smart, but 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 I want you to know something. If you allow something in your life to take control of your life, other than faith, it's going to make you go backwards, not forwards. And I'm here to tell you with confidence that God was on his throne before COVID-19. God is on his throne during COVID-19. And God will continue to be on his throne after COVID-19. We should, now that's just an example. But I'm telling you, we shouldn't let anything drive us as Christians other than our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, should we be wise as serpents and harmless as doves? Of course. You see, God gave us something up here between our ears. It's called a brain. God expects us to use our brain, right? And sometimes that means... Washing your hands. Sometimes that means social distancing. Sometimes that means wearing a mask. Sometimes that means it means different things to different people. That's true. But God has given us all a brain and we're to use it. And I'm here to tell you, I'm in stores. I want you to I want you to understand something. I'm in a store and it's people are complaining about people not wearing masks, but the person is touching me in line. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. I'm for you wearing masks, but social distance from me. I don't want you near me with or without COVID-19. I don't want you on top of me. <laughs> Think, you know, brains. God's given us a brain. We need to use it. And we need to be believing and believing God. God needs to be trusted. God can be trusted. Don't allow your heart to be dulled because of unbelief. Let me get the last thing. Displeases our God, it deepens our fear, it dulls our heart, and then destroys our work for God. Destroys our work for God. If all we're fixated on is the world, and all we're fixated on is unbelief, I'll tell you something, we need to repent, or our work for God's going to go down the drain. Down the drain. You know, there are things that the church used to do. They don't do anymore. There are things the church used to preach. They don't preach anymore. There are things that Christians used to say that they don't say anymore. I'm here to tell you, church, now if some things change, I get it. I'm, I'm not against change. I'm not, I'm not for change for change's sake, but I'm not against change if change is necessary. 
But I'm not changing the Scriptures. And I'm not changing doctrine. And I'm not changing where we should be standing as born-again children of God because God hasn't changed. And if God doesn't change and His Word doesn't change, then why in the world would we ever, ever... I'm not talking about tradition. I'm not talking about what you think or what I think or what you believe or what I believe. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the Word of God. God has drawn a line in the sand. And He has said, who is on the Lord's side? And you know what belief is? You know what faith is? It's saying, I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the Lord's side. Sink or swim. Good times are bad. Astonishes me. Listen to me, church. It astonishes me that we're on the Lord's side when things are going good. But just as soon as something happens, crash and burn. God didn't do, or God didn't, or like, like we're not supposed to have problems. Like we're not supposed to have issues. Let me tell you something. You're just as much a sinner as Adam was. You're welcome. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we're all unrighteous, every single one of us. So the things that happen in this world, understand, is because of sin, and we are part of that problem. So when they happen, why in the world we think we're too good for them to happen to us? I don't know. But we have an advantage. So we have God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? We're on, we're on the Lord's side. And if something happens to me, and I get sick, I get sick and something happens to me and I... And I die. Listen to me. It's not the most terrible thing that can happen, folks. For those that are in Christ to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And listen to what the Scripture says. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to have a, I don't have to have a heart that is hardened. Stop the unbelief. Repent of your unbelief and have faith in God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Can I tell you something this morning? I got good news. Matter of fact, I got the best news that's ever been given. And that news is that God loves you. That news is that Jesus died for you. Yes, John 3.16 says He died for the whole world, but you're part of that world. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and He rose again the third day so that we could have life. And that life is abundant, folks. God wants you to spend eternity with Him. That's why He died. That's why Jesus came. You say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I were to die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just slip your hand up this morning and right back down, and I pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about my salvation, Preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. There's there one. 
What a blessing it is to be saved. Thank you for your hand, and I'll, 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 I'll pray for you. Listen, there's no greater thing than to be saved. There's no greater thing than to know our sins are forgiven. Repent. Repent of your unbelief. Have faith. Have trust. Not in this world, not in the media, not in the government, not in the president, not in all not in the things of this world. Have faith in God. He'll see you through. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll answer your prayers. Listen, he's the one that makes the difference in this church and in our lives. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Can I invite you to come this morning? Maybe you're not saved and you don't know Christ as your Savior. If you'll step out and make your way down forward, we'll show you out of the Word of God how you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. Don't wait. Don't, don't put it off. Don't hesitate. It's not a game that we play. It's a serious business. And this morning, you need to do serious business with God. Maybe there's some area... Yes, I do believe, preacher. I believe, I believe, I believe. Is there an area you don't believe? Have you prayed, Lord, help thou mine unbelief? Help me in this one area. Nobody needs to know about it, but I understand this much. God knows about it. Because He knows you from the inside out. He knows everything about you. If you need to come for whatever reason, as the instruments play this morning, you come.